Well, this is our first space heater of 2023. We're doing this on Sunday evening, February 19th. Kevin, do you remember the last time we officially did a space heater? Was it November? Was it? I, I mean, not without me having to actually look this up. I could right now. I could look this up. Well, I'm on it. Oh, you're out, you're ahead of me on this? Yes, I'm okay. looking. Okay. Tell me what you find out. Yep, November 6th. What was the topic? What did we talk about? We talked about Katakawa. Oh, was it the Anime News Network? purchase yeah it was the nn purchase yes and games talked about the discotheque presentation and then the crunch roll price increase for us it was just stuff that just grabbed our attention might have been because it had been a while since we had taped or something yeah and we talked about yeah basically the whole katakawa ann thing okay so it's been one two three months a little over yeah, almost, over. over three months. Yeah. Since we did a did a space year. So yeah, this one's a little bit how do you put this? Unplanned? I wouldn't say that actually. No, no, we did we did want to do this. Uh okay, so a little bit of background. Kevin and I on Valentine's Day out of all things, out of all days, uh that was the premiere of the Kaguya Sama movie. Which uh, debut, which had its uh, North American debut in theaters, and if you know about an- how anime is handled in movie theaters in North America, it's a really, it's, it's. A, I find it a little weird. It's just that it seems like it, is it just me? Does it feel like anime features in North American movie theaters tend to be rather limited? Generally, generally. I mean, I think Mo uh, probably can say this a lot better than than either of us could. Since you know, it's a different story when it's a Dragon Ball movie, but almost every other movie release, yes, that is the case. Well, do you think? First of all, with uh, with Demon Slayer about to have another movie in early March, do you think that's that dynamic is changing? Do you think uh, Dragon Ball's not alone in that category, or is less may not be alone much longer? Or do you think it's mm. still Dragon Ball? I still think it's mostly Dragon Ball. Because I think of the My Hero Academia movies and Jujutsu Kaisen Zero and uh, even the Sailor Moon movie a few much, years back. Much less Sword Art, Onli- Sword Art, Art, Art Online, right? Like those that. did get more weeks. They wouldn't be... There wouldn't be showings every day, but... There would be several showings throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Like when we left Kaguya-sama, they were still doing sort of online screenings, but it was just the one screening of the day. Because it had been out for, I believe, at least a week and a half to two weeks by that point. What? Which movie again? Uh, sort The second Sword Art Online Sword progression online. movie, if okay. I'm not mistaken. I believe it's the second one. Okay. Pretty sure it wasn't the first one. And... Yeah, I mean, you know, Sword Art Online is a more popular franchise, so it made a bit more sense. But then, usually, you get about a week. And by a week, I mean you get maybe 
three to five screenings spread across three days, and that's it. Kaguya-sama, I'm looking this up now on the on at least the Cineplex app, and there were screenings today, and there's more set for actually a good chunk of the coming week. At least well, until get more screenings. Okay. Yeah, at least until the normal normal Friday premiere week. So yeah, Monday for Family Day. We are taping this for those of you outside of of Ontario at the very least. I think most most of Canada is experiencing a holiday tomorrow. The U.S. I know is experiencing a holiday tomorrow too. I forgot what day it is. Uh, what's the uh, flavor of the month holiday in uh, in the states tomorrow? Unless you work for the federal government. Oh yeah, that. Or where I work, for that matter. But yes, so, but tomorrow is Family Day in Ontario. That's a designated provincial holiday. As I said, most provinces have a holiday of some sort, but yes, it's a provincial holiday. And I'm looking up the listings here. Yes, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Kaguya-sama movie will continue tomorrow. It's screenings. And I'm looking up the Young Dundas seats for for the 2 p.m. showing. It looks like there's a half. Oh, so it is mostly full. Well, half full for that. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. It is downtown. Yeah. makes sense. And you're near, there are, what? There's one university right there, another university not that far away. So yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Well, Young people I, congregate there. Sure. I mean, you're in the heart of the city. You're by the Eaton Center. You're there, right? We were somewhere else when we saw that. We yeah. saw we saw the movie in in the in Mississauga on Winston Churchill. They're basically at the uh, Oakville border, so the western yeah. tip of Mississauga, right? Although, yeah, it, it's technically Oakville based on how the borders are drawn, but yeah, it's like right there. Yeah. Well, it's – yeah, so that's probably the best way to put it. I think we're on the other side of the – of of Winston Churchill, so that yeah. puts us in, in – at that point in Oakville. Mm-hmm. I think we're on the – was it the north side or the west side? Yeah, the west side. West side of Winston Churchill. Yes. So yeah, but basically, basically we're straddling that border, right? So the other end of Mississauga, so to speak. Mm-hmm. In that sense, they don't and, do a lot of screens at Courtney Park anymore. No, 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 not many screens. No, no. I, I, well, I don't like they do some at Courtney Park, but I don't recognize or notice them doing it that often anymore. The, you mean all. you mean there was? Yeah, they've done Courtney Park screenings every now and then for anime. Mm. I saw the Sailor Moon movie at Courtney Park. How long ago was that? Just jog my memory. Well, probably 2017 or 2018, perhaps. Oh, like, I, I'm estimating, to be honest. It's been quite a while. Yeah. Well, when, I purposely looked this up. When Square One had that Cineplex theater all those years ago, we, we ran into each other watching a Trigun movie, I think, if I remember correctly. Yes, that was in the Empire Theater in the mall, not the one outside the mall. Yeah, well, it had become an Empire by that point? Yes. Okay, okay. Like I'm, trying, like, I'm trying to remember a little bit about the timeline of that specific theater within Square One. I think I won the tickets for that screening, actually. Yeah. And then, yeah, and, and then it was originally a Cineplex, but then they bought out famous the Famous Players brand, 
and then they moved all their operations across the street because their famous players had the um had the Coliseum, which is that huge multiplex that sits behind uh, Square One. If you want if you know the area, and they gave it the Cineplex branding, but it le- but it, it left the other one basically abandoned, and Empire Theaters moved in there, and they were there for some years, but it, that's been long gone, and I don't know what they use the space for now. I, it's I, still I really, empty. Yeah, still empty to this moment. Yes. Uh, I know they want to redevelop that space, but I don't know what it is anymore because I no longer work for them. Anywhere in Square One for that matter. Yeah, because I, disclosure, I did used to work for Oxford at one point. Oxford being the owner of Square One. Yes. So, uh, well, at least for, okay, going back to Sailor Moon quickly, it was the Sailor Moon R movie, and that was March 1st, 2017. Wow, okay. So, yeah, I, I'm just trying to just wrap my head. And for, like, we can talk about it, uh, the whole bunch of things, but really there isn't, a, it's really just Cineplex and then maybe a bunch of smaller independents now, I guess. Uh, Empire do, Empire as a brand doesn't really exist for movie theaters anymore, does it? Or is it more, has it just retreated into its home region again, which is out east, I believe? I don't remember. I'm trying to remember if they're all landmarks now or if it just fizzled out as a whole. I don't remember. Yeah, I guess because Empire is also, because Empire in this case is also the same company that owns Sobeys. People oh, are, no, they, I just double-checked. They did, they sold the business. They sold the theater part of the business. Okay. So they sold some of them to Cineplex, and they sold some of them to Landmark. And, so in Ontario were Landmarks mm-hmm. in the end. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to just remember the timeline. It's been so long. I mean, that space has been abandoned literally for some years. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to, to the subject at hand. <laughs> Mo was a when when I talked with Mo on this, he was a little I wouldn't say surprised or disappointed. I don't know what the word would be, but I I just thought he thought it would have been cool if we went to see that at Young Dundas. Oh uh, yeah, that would have been nice to be honest. Been, yeah, it would have been a stretch for both of us. We are like, well, distance wise, I think it's about the same for me, but it's just easier for me to get to. Winston Churchill but it would have been interesting to see it downtown because for the reasons you already outlined it's just it's harder for me without planning further in advance because for me I do need to take the go Mm -hmm. because I hate paying for parking I can understand and it's almost a day trip. I won't go that far, but I wouldn't it, go far to say it's a day trip, but it's a trip. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it, it takes some planning. I can't just on a whim just go because because taking the go would cost me maybe 16 bucks round trip. Yeah, not always worth it. And I think I'd be looking at seven bucks myself. Like I would want to at least be doing something else. If you're doing something like that. Yeah, so you have to make an afternoon. That, so that's why like, I would need to plan my day if yeah. I do that. But I think uh, 
most point was, you know, because we'd be amongst other fans who would, you know, a, a larger group and a probably more into it group, a more rowdy group watching it. But that's not, that doesn't, that kind of is a disservice to the people we did watch the movie with mm-hmm. in, in, the, in, in Mississauga and Oakville. I mean, I think, like, there's, there's fans, obviously, more further uh, in the Western GTA. Yeah. And this was an obvious spot for them. I think uh, next, next after that is Burlington. I think so, yeah. You so, know, it's also because they didn't have screenings planned out for the following week at that point. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't even check to see if there were screenings next week because that hadn't been decided. So, they only had they only had the 14th and the 18th yesterday. Mm-hmm. At least at the time we decided. Now, since then, uh, they've they've extended it over the entire week, pretty much. Yes. So that's fine, and that's good. It's it'll be cool if people uh, if the, if it's in your area and you have that chance, uh, check it out. However, and this is where we start to really get into it. First of all, what what was your impression of the atmosphere in the theater watching that when we went to watch it? I thought it was a decent atmosphere. It wasn't rowdy. It wasn't like rambunctious, which is fine. You know, people laughed at the right moments. Mm-hmm. People laughed at some of the funnier moments, as you would hope. <laughs> yeah, it did. But... Well, first, uh, my own impression, one, um, well, one is more off topic and one is a, an actual impression of the, of the movie, of the, of the crowd there. First thing that you, first thing that, that, uh, well, my own first impression after watching the movie or, well, especially after watching the movie is if nothing else, it's convinced me that if I'm going to buy the manga, uh, it'll be, it'll be traditional book copies. Not not digital, like I probably joked around about uh, last week, right? That's how much I enjoyed it. Second, um, I felt like the oldest person in there. That's fine. Yeah, I'm just saying. That's what it felt like. I, I see a whole cross-section of fandom, or, uh, uh, well, really just youth fan uh, of the our demographic now, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, you're right. It is fine. It's just, I did feel old in there a little bit. It doesn't, it didn't really, I didn't have time to be really depressed about that. It's just, I really (laughs) want to watch the movie. That's all that matters, right? Right. And this is one of those, the movie, getting a chance to watch the movie happened at a perfect storm for me personally. Mm -hmm. Right. In terms of where I am in term in keeping up with this story, because it had been a couple months since I finished watching like the three C the three cores of the TV series to this point. Mm-hmm. That was a slow burn for you. Like you were like you know you were getting along it as you did. Yeah, your time with it. Yeah, I did uh, probably more so than I wanted to admit. But the uh, and it's almost the same way with the manga reading, but it's sped up since then. And where I was in the manga, I was, I think, uh, in, I think it was on volume 13. I just started volume 13. So, and that, that was basically the school festival, basically the events leading up into the movie. So I was basically 
I was basically manga wise where just before the movie. Ah. And over the la- and uh, by my own admission, over the last today, over the last uh, couple hours, I read basically what is the the manga adaptation or not the adaptation, but the but the manga the movie's plot as it was depicted in the manga. That was as it was originally written in the manga. I think that's where I want to go because you know obviously the uh, manga is the base. Yes. Right? So now I get to see, I got to read the plot of the movie in the manga. And it's fairly, how do I put this? It's, (laughs) we had this long talk last week about adaptations, or not really long talk, but it sort of came up a little bit about adaptations. And I guess uh, when I re-listened to the episode, and that's why I chose the title I chose for it, how, like, it's that age-old debate we will always have. How de- how faithful should they be to its original source material? The movie was very faithful to the to the manga. Had its own little tweaks. Had its own little tweaks, but uh, it, it was pretty faithful. And the kind and to me, it also hints at well. It hints at later what what will be depicted later on too, right? Mm-hmm. But the, but the manga kind of did that as well. It kind of hinted a few scenes that I thought, and it looks like that'll we'll get to see how it plays out in, in the manga, and I guess we'll we'll see it in the TV series too, because I I don't doubt that we'll see the more of the more of Kaguya Sama animation. So. Yeah, I'd be shocked at this point if they do not adapt it all the way through. I could see that. Uh, well, it's enough. It gets enough attention. It's enough of a popular IP now. Put aside the whole Dragon Ball, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, One Punch Man, etc. And I there's have... an ending in sight. Yeah. Yeah. Now it is ending. over. Well, the manga is over too, right? So we know where it'll end. And we, the manga sits, like the movie sits at basically the halfway point of the plot. I mean, the the manga went for 28 volumes. I just, uh, the movie is set basically, basically in the middle of volume 14 and the entirety of volume 15. So it's at the halfway point. There, there's a little bit to go, and but I think there's enough. The IP is popular enough; they can probably do another three cores in a movie, again, right? Hmm. So, but it had me thinking about a bunch of other things, and this is also in relation, probably in relation to Sword Art Online, probably in relation, certainly in relation to Demon Slayer, almost certainly. And it, like a couple weeks ago. When we talked about about awards, right? And there was a category for best motion picture. And yes, this is a the mo- you can tell that this was a motion picture. Uh, animation quality was higher than you would have seen in the television series, or frames per second. It just felt it just had that movie feel to it. Even though we even though 
the at times the pacing did feel like a, a handful of episodes, like three, four episodes of the show strung together. But you could you could feel it was a movie, both in the a- animation quality and I guess just sitting within it with an with an audience. And you're right, they gasped, they reacted at the at the right times. But I remember a couple of weeks ago, Kevin, when you mentioned you have mixed feelings about about movie nominees that are based on currently running television series and being lopped in the same category as standalone, uh, true standalone features. Or you can jog my memory. I get that wrong. More or less, I would say I don't like those being lumped in together when... you have your award show as like it, you try to give it off as something more grand, but it is a popularity contest. Well, especially when there's fan voting involved. So because it's the fan votes that affect the award, results and not what the judges think that changes things Hmm. now if there were both components then it doesn't matter to me because yes i'm i'm happy if the fans get their vote you know that's great but if we're talking from like an objective critical perspective more often than not those adaptations those movie adaptations don't hold a candle to your inuo or your perfect blue or your Dare you say Your anything? Name or yeah, I was, I was about to say anything five centimeters per second, or Summer Wars, and so on and so forth. Well, Summer Wars is fine. I should have just said the girl holds up through time. Hosoda. You could have just said Hosoda. Yeah. You could have said Mishinkai. Right? More, and- not to say that they never do, but more often than not, those movies are not canonical they're made to entertain but that, that and even if they're and no that's not to say that the others that the critically acclaimed ones don't entertain but but they're not made to be criticized in the same way as the other more standalone movies that come out. Like I wouldn't critique say, I don't know. I wouldn't critique bad boys in the same way as there will be blood or broke back mountain. Quasi out or borderline art house house type things. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, 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 I think I, I 
kind of understand the tone you're or the comparison you're trying to make. It's just that the, my dilemma with it is these are extensions of the television series. Demon Slayer, when that came out, that was an, that, that was an, uh, an immediate continuation. Yes. Haguya-sama is an immediate continuation from the tel- where the TV series left off. And in many ways, serves as an advertisement for whatever else there is in the mix, in the ecosystem. Now, if those movies just truly did impress in such a way that I, it really made me you know, think about the themes that are going on during the film as I'm watching it, then, you know, that's fine. That's great. That'd be cool. That's awesome. But more often than not, that's not the case. Well, I, yeah, I guess so. More and- like when I go to those movies, I usually just expect to be entertained and they usually achieve that. Yeah, it, it did. But I think if there's something positive about doing this in the movie in movie form, sometimes it helps punctuate a few things, right? Punctuate a few little motivations of the characters, especially of the two main characters, right? Of course. I, I remember what I said when I uh, my reaction when we saw some of these when I saw some of it play out. I mean, as I said, this is can't well as you kind of hinted the, this is you know, in the plot line, canical, uh, like, uh, and really the, uh, maybe the exception, it's becoming more the norm of using a movie for a continue for a presently running series to have it actually fit in the timeline of the TV series. I mean, I don't recall Pokemon movies really doing that. Pokemon movies, I, when back in the day, I always like my memories of them were they can still be sort of enjoyed standalone. This one you probably now, but now we're with the with features of the silk. You probably would have had to have, be familiar with the plot to that point. I mean, that's the impression I'm getting. So, I mean, that was the case with the I mean, with the two most recent ones with Demon Slayer and this maybe sort out online, too. And Jujutsu, and Jujutsu Kaisen. Somebody, somebody correct me, I guess. I'll admit I haven't watched. But you had to have had some familiarity with the plot to that point. At least have a good idea, right? And understand what just happened in the television series. Because as I said, the events of the movie take place right after. So, but what the movie also kind of served to do uh, and maybe uh, telling that this part of the story or the story to this point is that we understood some of the motivations of of Shiragane and Kaguya we had we had a sense of it already but they kind of punctuated it in the movie why they act the way they do and that their motivations are pretty deep the way they look at it. And yeah, kind of empathize a little bit more. Right? So, I mean, that was my takeaway after watching the movies. And then rereading it in the uh, in the manga, too. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, 
re I mean to me the movies uh, movie ended up being a great advertisement for the manga for me or the it, the ecosystem uh doing its job almost perfectly on me right and because then there are because of of how long it took me to get through the television series and the manga there were part I admit there were parts that I missed little hints that I missed so it's making me want to you know read a little slower now or at least try and absorb every absorb everything a little bit more as I read the current volumes that I have mhm so I can I've grown to really appreciate it a lot more reading rereading the story now having um, watched the movie I said the media mix, the perfect form of for the media mix. So that was uh, what I got from it. But uh, it also made me just take a longer look at the manga. And, you know, things, uh, as I've continued to read the manga, some things really start to uh, pop out to me, right? Like, I'm holding, like, I'm holding a copy of volume 16 in my hands, right? Right. And... Two things, uh, two things in the art style of uh, of Akasaka, or out to me, and I told, I hinted some of this to you already, Kevin. Mm-hmm. The eyes, we we constantly, like over the over my time in fan in the fandom, people often love to talk about you know the uh, the eyes of char- of anime characters. They're big. Often, often that's a stereotype. They're they're very big, but Akasaka is really impressed. Uh, really, imp- like this is the first time I've really been drawn to the use of eyes in character designs. Right? Mm-hmm. You can like what's the old what's the uh, old adage? Eyes are a window into someone's soul. Sounds about right. Yeah, use he uses it perfectly. As well as like I can't recall recall how you how the how an effective use of how you design eyes on characters. I cannot recall that. This is the first time I could really rec- well. Yeah, this is really really the first time where I see it re- really used. I to some degree I saw it in Kenshin. This is the first time I've really noticed it to see how he uses eyes on characters and maybe even more notably how he sometimes doesn't put them on others. Because he wants you to view the characters at that moment in a certain way. And maybe even maybe that way is maybe how the main character at that moment is looking at other characters so i was really uh, that that's something that really uh, impressed me about about the um art style here the other thing is more i, I think a little bit more picky but i but uh, this one didn't come to me nearly as much as i as i as i kind of read up about it but now i see it the use the way that he makes out his speech bubbles you know where I'm about to go with this one, or do you kind of have an idea where where um, what I'm thinking with this one? I might, but go on. It's just 
sometimes he like his use of speech bubbles, the way he surrounds their bubbles, the way he outlines their bubbles, sometimes with more, sometimes with more curves and, and rounded, rounded borders, sometimes with more sharper borders. Sometimes he puts them in black or white backgrounds. And often that's just more to depict the moods of their characters. Mm -hmm. Like, and maybe their, their mindset at that point. If he doesn't use a speech bubble, it's sometimes what he, it's just more of a thinking, a thought or what they're thinking. Right. Or maybe it's their, uh, I think uh, some people, some people kind of praised his use of how he used it for you, for, um, for Igami. For you, because of how where his uh, his his uh, mental state, because he's uh, if you've read the story, you know that he's gone through a lot, and I think it was a, like had a rougher edge initially, but then it kind of it kind of softened, and sometimes you know I'm trying I'm just uh, looking through this some of this now, just uh, rifling through it, and maybe volume I, and I'm holding volume sixteen. It's probably the, not as good an example as volume fifteen, since I said that's where the movie's plot uh, played out, right? So give me a second. Let me let me let me just get that for a second, because I know that in that volume he used a lot more of those. Uh, he used a lot more of the black backgrounds. Uh, he used it a lot more in flashbacks, I think. And maybe to depict a certain certain personality trait coming out for certain characters. So those are the two takeaways I got from reading the manga uh, recently, anyway. But yeah, it's it's become a lot more of a page turner. So there's there's that. Uh, okay, okay. So I think we had this. To, we've had this uh, little discussion before. About, about rom-coms, right? Yeah. Uh, manga rom-coms. What would be, like, I've never hidden my uh, admiration and how my, how I rank uh, Kimigoro Orange Road and Maisonne Cuckoo as two of my top five, right? Mm-hmm. Those, are, those were probably their generation's definitive uh rom-coms right the uh, Maisonne Koku in the early 80s Kimigoro Orange Road in the mid to late 80s maybe even early 90s and then you go through our the history of our fandom over the years I think are we uh just before we go further are we are we purely talking male targeted romances or are we including female targeted romances I guess more male ones yeah because Okay, I, I think you know the. Uh, you probably have a better sense of the female targeted ones, right? A little so, bit. So maybe you can help me out. Uh, what goes parallel with these? Well, I can't speak for this? the older ones because, you know, I did not watch Creamy Mommy. I did not watch Utena, regrettably. I uh, did not watch. I didn't watch a lot of that older shoujo stuff to be honest mm. i guess yeah i, I guess uh, we talk like when we talk <laughs> I, I guess when we talk more um like i'm talking more about the the shoujo type i got uh not shoujo the 
Yeah, the shoujo. Um, shonen romances, the shonen, right? Yes. Shonen type, right? I get my I get my terms mixed up. Uh, shonen and seinen, uh, seinen styles. So, where, where do we go now? Hmm. So, okay. So, when we go to to more of the uh, seinen and and uh, shonen styles, I know I'm, and I know that there's differences, but I'm trying to kind of. Are we talking just notable ones? Yeah, I guess. As a whole, or like, or we're we talking just like acclaimed ones? Because, for example, Tenchi Muyo was one of the iconic romantic comedies of the 90s, and to say that it didn't influence other things afterwards would Which be is- uh, discourteous of it. But will we say that? Most of it is good, not necessarily. Certain segments of Tenshi Muyo were pretty good. Yeah, and you're right. You're not right. All of it in the in that was a quite a title back then, in the nineties. That one is more or less one of the original harem male targeted romantic comedies. <laughs> See, when I when I'm having this discussion, I, I think of show, of titles like Love Hina. Yep, which More was recent the next times. big one at the time after Tenshi Muyo. Mm-hmm. In the early aught, in the aughts, early aughts, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Where does something like, oh, I forgot, uh, uh, like Toradora sit? I, I mean, think is Toradora apples- is one of the best ones. Of is it time. is it apples and oranges because it was it was it was originally a, a light novel? Not necessarily, because and, and this is another part of adaptations. Maybe we have we're talking purely on the anime. Mm-hmm. So the, there's those, and then, and then I guess so. Would that so uh, f- so for the shonen and seinen? Where would uh, Kaguya-sama sit then? Like, would it would it be this this gener this generation's it title when it comes to that? It just might. Now, people, from what I can tell, say that the ending isn't as strong as you would like it to be. That's just based off of anecdotal things I've read. Mm -hmm. Other stronger contenders could be titles like Horimiya, that's also kind of up in the air in terms of uh, whether or not the ending will stick. I actually don't remember if that ended or not. But that was another one of the more popular uh, shonen romantic comedies that came out in the last little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Golden Time is well regarded. But that's also by the Torador creator, if I'm not mistaken. What's it called again? Golden. Uh, golden time. Golden time. Okay. I hope I'm not getting my facts mixed up on that one. I'm yeah, well, sure that's by the uh, Toradora creator. Oh, we can. I there. You can always look it up, right? And I'm right. Thank you. Golden time. And then, huh? 
You know, I think it's because I want to say around like the mid to early 2010s, I stopped reading as many of them. Uh, you know, another one, but another one that comes to mind is Nisekoi. Yeah, and there's advertise. I keep seeing the advertisements in there, by the way. Uh, it's, I think overall it's solid, but as with most shonen romantic comedies, the mushy middle happens with it where they know it's popular, but they can't progress the plot too quickly. So then they need to add episodic chapters to just justify the length. Yes, to just keep it going as long as it can until maybe the popularity polls indicate that its popularity is slipping. So now they're like, okay, okay we need time to, to finish actually this. get things moving. Let's get the yeah. Let's uh, let's finish with a flourish, right? And. Did he make the right choice? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was kind of predictable. <laughs> okay, so oh, I, 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 my my preferred choice was not was not the one. Okay. Okay, so when, and it usually isn't, to be honest. <laughs> well, and also another one that I thought of just now that i surprised i didn't think of was the quintessential quintuplets that one which which recently i know ended with a movie yes right and all the manga ended not too long ago as well uh that one is also pretty well regarded okay which i and maybe that'll be a watch at some point okay so let's go to the uh shoujo side oh and i cannot believe we did not bring up Anything by Mitsuru Adachi when it comes nope. to the older stuff. <sighs> yes, touch. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Touch or H2. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched those or read those. I've only read Cross Game. The problem with that with that is those well, I was about to say they don't have they haven't had that much of a release in North America. They haven't. But then again, it's it might be one of those it missed the boat type things because it, it might be too old of a title to attempt now to try and publish. I think so I think because is, while, you know, being a sports series does not help because more often than not, you either need to be really engaging, have hot guys, or not be too long in or this, some amalgamation of the above and this wasn't this wasn't touch and even then that's not guaranteed yes uh, i have i have my uh, touch jokes but uh i think i've used them up or it needs hot girls yeah, yeah okay. hot girls or hot it needs hot characters oh, you're right on fans can ship yeah. yeah, although that was more like that was a pretty dramatic series too. Not really a, not really a comedy, but it was good. Which one? Uh, no, well, I I thought a touch more as maybe because I only uh, what I saw was the movies too. But uh, oh, okay. Like what, what? What did that have? Like a, a share humor in it? Like I'm well, trying. I, to... I didn't read any of them. Okay. But speaking of cross game, it Adachi's humor always felt more. 
like not funny. ha ha funny, but he he funny. I was about to say, funny. I was about to say more funny ho ho, not funny ha ha. Like and some... and has some slapstick moments as well at times. Okay, but nothing like too outrageous. Not I wouldn't. It's not like Cromarty High School funny in that sense. It's not okay. like yeah, or it's not Gintama funny. Hmm. All right. Well, okay. I, I now I'm I'm tempted to. I there's a part of me that wants to go into the shoujo side, but something tells me that's that might be a little too long, and maybe not the, totally the purpose of well, where I want this discuss uh, the talk where the talk really was tonight. But uh, what about Fruits Basket? Fair. Okay. Did so you watch Fruits Basket or read it? No, no. I only saw the original television series. Okay. So and. On the topic of, you know, uh, TV adaptations, and I, I know we'll, like, I'd like to re- revisit the whole the, the debate again later on, right? Just uh, because not all, not all anime adaptations have gone well, too. On the shoujo side? Just or- generally. Yeah. Just I guess generally. if I wanted to quickly mention, like, stuff that I would imagine is very influential on the shoujo side for better or for worse uh boys over flowers mm. uh we mentioned fruits basket okay you mentioned lutena yeah revolution girl lutena or in high school host club okay vampire night <laughs> Hmm. Nowadays, at least within the last 10, 15 years, I would say Yona of the Dawn. I would say I I, I totally recognize that title. I know. And I, know I, I, and I really do think uh, my love story is memorable in the sense that it it did go the male protagonist route, which doesn't happen too often. In a, in a shoujo? Yeah, not too often. Usually when the male is the main character in a shoujo manga, it's usually titles where it's a male ensemble cast. Like, hmm. say, Ho Boys High School or Here's Greenwood. Things like that. Oh, well, I found that interesting. Or, um, you brought out uh, Here's Greenwood. Because because uh, that's that's pretty old school and one of those ones I that I really liked back in there's, the day. There's one of my viz that I feel like it's kind of like that. I don't remember the name right now. I, I think it's called Colorful Days. I, I I know I mentioned it in a past podcast. And I remember and I recognize the name. See, this is strange because like as much as I lo- like, this is probably the what what the hell do I know? Sometimes coming out of me, I I never looked at thought of Greenwood as a shoujo. I have but trouble. Yeah. Okay. It's just I never. Some are some are more. Can. Like the terms, uh, the terms. I get confused with the terms at the best of times, right? And you know what? It's just like. You know. Even though I really like my shojo and Jose manga, I do think I still read more male targeted stuff. Because, you know, I could easily pull out more, like, 
examples of shonen romantic comedies but then even though like as much as i love nana and as much as i love banana fish and as much as i love Himini Todake and Lovely Complex, which I also thought were iconic, but I didn't think of them until literally 10 seconds ago. Mm-hmm. That it's just a little harder for me to think of for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, the, I, I wonder where, when, when it's all said and done with Kaguya-sama, where will it sit among those titles? I mean, yeah. it it doesn't. You know, I mean, I've enjoyed it to this point. I've really enjoyed it. I I I, I cannot say I haven't. Because I always feel like the best ones, more often than not, are not too long, and don't have too much of that middle filler content. Mm-hmm. So another another favorite of mine, eyes. I wouldn't say that's an iconic one, but I felt like there wasn't a whole lot of filler. Well, yeah. It, it, I felt like the plot did continuously progress because the tone of eyes was of a more, uh, a more like dramatic tone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like an outright harem style romance. No, no, it wasn't. That's why I like Blue Box a little more too. I feel like that's the current, that's the current like non harem style romance romance series in Weekly Shonen Jump right now. Hmm. Whereas. The harem one is Ayakashi Triangle. Like, I, cause, like, those are the ones I always preferred, to be honest. Like, the more, like, new, air quotes, more nuanced ones. Kind of depends on the title. Cause, you know, we can't say that Eyes didn't have its fan service. No, no doubt about it. Well, we're talking, <laughs> well, that, that's another story altogether. I was so mad when Viz censored those earlier copies of Eyes. I was, not happy <laughs> that was hilarious i mean I that was, I, and I know, I know we had a conversation about it back then too back in the original uh yeah in the original tele, uh, took in them to, the original I think, volume 11 to stop censoring it hmm? it took them up to volume 11 or 10 to stop censoring it yeah <laughs> but yeah i i get it i, I sort of get that right so yeah, it just has a, it just, I, I cannot say, you know, I, I don't know what else to really add to that, right? So, yeah, um, you know, sorry, I, because me, I, in the Shonen side, there's this huge gap between like Toradora and now, because I really didn't watch that many things after that like because that was around the time when my anime watching just dropped off well and yeah and then and the torador came around for me when i was you know at the end of the the first run of this podcast right yeah because because it somehow worked out like going back to how i was saying that like 
a lot of the better ones don't take too long to tell their story. Toradora was one season, that was it. Mm -hmm. And they just so happened to time it so that it, like, the light novel did end at the same time as the anime. Yeah, it was like, what, 10 10 volumes or something? Yes. Okay. Well done. You know, uh, having said that about uh, your... The thoughts on fillers, though, I mean, and supporting characters. Keep in mind, this is why, um, like, Kaguya has just been an easy read, too, because of the way the, they, they're they supporting characters. They put a profile on them, and they have, they have some interesting stories, too. Right? I think that's a credit to um, Aka Akasaka's writing at that point. And it's also not in Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, it is a Young Jump title. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. I get it. I'm... Although that's something I admit I'd have to look up. But, uh, well, two more things. I want to, a couple more things I want to bring up about this. And maybe about other adaptations and what have you. And that this is what, this, this starts to get a little bit more excruciating when I start to mention these. In as I read those last uh, couple volumes in uh, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, mm-hmm. they they made some references to things that at this point we're never going to see. Specifically, they made references to the live action movies. Oh, they did. Yes, there are, there are some like the just just some comedic uh, comedic. Yeah, just some comedic uh, thoughts for the uh, live-action movies. You look like so-and-so. You look like so-and-so. And basically, basically the uh, <laughs> basically it was a reference to the actors and a- actors that played them in the live-action. Oh. And I just thought, oh. Like, these are... And that's what makes it so excruciating, right? That's what made it, made it uh, so... Like reading those references, so so tough. Because we, because what is it? I'm I'm looking up. Like, there's a joke about how about about Kaguya's resemblance to to Hashimoto, kind of Hashimoto, who plays her in the movie, right? And then there's a similar reference to uh, Shirogane as well. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's so excruciating to hear about the to hear about that. And 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 just to give a love, a love to Shiragane, uh, Shohirano played uh, played him in the movies. It, it's so tough to hear about this because we know about all these live action adaptations of recent of recent IPs that we'll never we'll never see. And, and for all the talk about live action adaptations we've had about failed ones, failed attempts at them, especially if they're Western, I guess. But there's been, uh, there has been a successful formula, at least in Japan. And I think having a chance to see that, see at least successful attempts might at least uh, give us give us a little bit more insight as to what can and cannot work here cuz we've only like us here we've only seen the failures 
or by and large seen just the failures. And there's been such a a hate for any attempts at any sort of live action that there is a large segment of our of our fandom that under no circumstance will give it one a chance. But there's been some successful adaptations. As I said, it's a chance for the for the uh, media mix to expand itself and find exposure in ways to audiences that wouldn't otherwise see them. I mean, the actors, I, I know that the actors are very, who depicted um, Kaguya and Shirogane were, are very popular. Mm. So, and within all of this, there are other adaptations that are, that are worth watching. That would have been worth a, that would have gotten a lot of curiosity. There have been at least two Maison Koku adaptations. There have been, there has been an attempt at a Ranma live action or adaptation, which might be more funny haha than anything else. Eyes and Video Girl Eye. On the topic of Katsura and Eyes, I know that there are live actions that have existed over time. Yes. One, one way in the past for Video Girl Eye, but one of a little bit more recent within the last three, four years, and one for Eyes as well, probably a little over five years ago. I do remember when that happened. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, I'm looking at my uh, Indigo box. Yes, I I, this, I got a, something from Indigo before everything happened there. And by the way, that's an ongoing issue. The Indigo site is uh, up, is up, but only on a browsing basis, not on a shopping basis, just to update that story from last week. But that box contains a copy of, of Wodokoi. And Wodokoi had a live-action movie a couple of years ago, which... I would have loved to see this. And, and I think it was shown in uh, during an online version of Fantasia. I would have loved to see that, but there's no sign we'll ever see that. And so going back to Kaguya-sama, there are two live action movies as well. And, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you be curious to watch that just to see it? And then judge for yourself. Movie or a TV series? I forgot. No, it was, it was two feature films, right? Oh, okay. And and within all of that is comes a little bit of a comes a little bit of a little of a little factoid that I've that I found out, and that's in that's in the person who plays uh, Subame Koyasu. I told you this at the theater, right? Yes. Right. And in the Japanese version, she is played by an actress or a voice actress by the name of Haruka Fukuhara. She plays her, she plays her in the anime. And coincidentally, she also plays her in the live action movie. So, so Fukuhara-san is as far as I know, well, I, I'm pretty sure to, there's more of it out there, but she's the only person I know of who plays the same character in both an animated and live action version of the same title. We've talked a lot about 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 actors playing the same character in both Japanese and English, but this is a new one for me. And I'm curious to know, and you know, to 
whoever's listening to this, and God knows how many are listening to this, do you know of any cases where you have somebody play the same character in both the an animated version and and in a live action version of the same title? Well, more specifically, Japanese uh, Japanese titles. I think we have enough. We have a fair amount of that already in, in North America. I, I'm already thinking corner gas, but couldn't tell you. Yeah. But I, I thought that was an interesting point to note that that was the case here. That that the uh, woman who that the woman who played who played uh, who played Subame is uh, in both the live action and the Japanese version. Same person. I thought that was really really a cool fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those are those are some of my own thoughts. Oh, and, and I guess the last thought. Um, I was talking with a, a friend, uh, and she told me something that uh, that never dawned upon me. Um, there's been this trend, um, the whole idea of manga boxes, right? Okay. So yeah, Demon Slayer, we have that. I just bought, I just purchased one for um, for Wotokoi. Dragon Ball has its has its uh, has a couple of those. One Piece certainly has a few. Jujutsu Kaisen. The idea of a of manga box sets doesn't. Uh, I'm told doesn't seem like a common one in Japan. This seems to be something that's very specific outside of Japan. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, you're more the manga guy, so. I mean, I, I just thought I'd bring that one out because I want to see what you'd say about that. Well, perhaps it's because in Japan, you know, paper is more of a, it's a little more scarce, if I'm not mistaken. There's only so many trees that grow in Japan. I believe they do import more wooden than they uh and then and they're able to produce and produce on their own. It's why a lot of those weekly mon- and monthly manga magazines are on pretty flimsy paper because they're meant to be disposable. Mm-hmm. And why you probably don't see what as for as it come uh, when it comes to like being able to do uh, sets in like volumes. Yeah, perhaps it's just not a thing there. Think it's a cultural. I don't yeah. know, really know why. Maybe it's a cultural thing too. Because when you look at anime and you look at music CDs, and there's limited editions up the ass for those, mm-hmm. and that's largely because it's the super fans that sustain that interest industry by paying those overpriced single blu-ray discs because they still fucking do that oh yeah there yes there are some more sets every now and then but but by and large it's still single blu-ray releases yeah but yeah it's just and in the case of cds like music cds they'll just release five different versions and then uh, they'll each add different 
photo it, cards of your favorite singers. I was so about to say different covers, but yeah, but they'd have the same content. Each disc would have basically the same content or something, or maybe yeah. one different track. I don't know. More often than not, it's just different extras. Hey. But if there's a, like a different, if there's a standard Anna and a, like a special edition, maybe they'll add the music videos in the special edition, whereas the standard edition would just have the CD. Okay. A- anyway, but but what? So what about box sets then? What about uh, what about a box set for 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 graphic novels? For what's the word tankoban? Yes, in Japan, you would call a single book a tankoban. It's interesting in that, like, there might be box sets for manga in Japan. We just don't really know about it. But uh, I guess it's here it is a very collector's mentality to have everything in a box set. Uh, yes, I was about to say maybe it's a cultural thing for us, our, our fandom, right? Our fandom here. And I know we've said this before, but more often than not, Box sets only happen for manga here when it's a title so popular that it can justify doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, I I just rifed off a bunch of titles that would fit that mold, right? Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen doesn't have a box set yet, but I imagine it will. I'd be surprised if it didn't at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are we. I just brought up a bunch of titles, right? Like, like to use another term, triple A titles, right? Mm-hmm. S level titles. Is that the word? Yeah, I'd say so. So where? Yeah, and it has me wondering. Okay, Kaguya-sama isn't quite that, is it? Where am I wrong? Well, maybe not to Viz, because <laughs> true. Because when you have <laughs> when you have titles like Dragon Ball. Or bleach, or One Piece, or One Piece, and it's you know, and, from there, isn't it? And you don't see nearly as many shoujo manga box sets from Viz. It really was only Vampire Night, or in High School Host Club, and Blackbird. Hmm. That's a testament to how well those did for them. Yeah. Okay. As of when they finished. You think, part, yeah, but do you think part of it? I said, as I, we hinted, I kept using the phrase the culture of our fandom. Do you think part of it's also just the binge read that plays into it? Because here I am oh. reading, like, here I am basically in as many day in as many days, I'm I'm very close to finishing four volumes of the of the manga. I mean, that for me, that's that's an accomplishment. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting to see the difference, like the differences in how like Viz puts out their box sets versus how Kodansha puts out their box sets. Oh, what what gets your attention there? And maybe we'll leave this as a last point for tonight. Well, Kodansha will sometimes do like box sets of only a few volumes. Oh, that. Okay, so not complete series necessarily. So, like, you look at the Attack on Titan box sets, and they've done, like, a few. It's, like, one through seven or eight, and then, like, 
9 through 16 or whatever. Uh, how I Got Reincarnated as a Slime has, I think, at least two box sets at this point. Mm. Uh, Rent-A-Girlfriend box set came out not too long ago. That's, I believe, just the first six volumes. The fairy tale box sets were like, like it's several volumes in a box, not okay. like bigger boxes. All right. Not, that's not to say that Kodansha doesn't do that because they did do a Princess Jellyfish box set. And I'm a little surprised that they that that happened for it. Hmm. I guess it did do well enough for them to justify it, you would assume. Yeah. Well, maybe we can have that discussion another time. Okay. Uh we have some breaking news. Um I think we we can we'll, we can continue this discussion another time, I'm sure, okay, Kevin, but I do think before we end tonight, we should uh come up with this breaking news. Um Oh wait, one more thing though. Yes. I I realized I didn't actually talk about my thoughts of the movie as a whole okay, let's let's talk about like uh, yeah okay give me your thoughts on the movie i really do want to end off on this one but uh what's your thoughts on the movie just how did you think what did you think about it so i feel like the fact that it still felt as if the segments were broken off as if it was still a tv episode was interesting i actually didn't think they'd do that i thought it'd just be like a it have more of a flow, but they had those like, like half episode to episode breaks in between segments. I thought it worked for me. I didn't mind it. It's, yeah. it's just, I didn't know if they were going to still do that. Well, it's a movie. I think it's, it caught a few fans off guard because you heard when they did the end of each segment, you, you kind of got, you got this. Like I, I, I thought, um, I was I. It felt like I was going to hear crickets at points. Mm-hmm. They didn't get where they were going with that, but I, I get. I I can understand because that's how they end off chapters as well with the, with that feel, right? I also think this was obviously planned in that they like w- because a lot of serious things happened in this movie and in this storyline. It. It does feel different than in the earlier like anime episodes and the manga chapters because so to provide my experience with this franchise I read volumes 1 through 4 mm-hmm. and I happened to read like this segment of chapters that cover this movie and the events that happen following the movie that that the end of the movie alludes to mm-hmm. and that's so specifically specifically the christmas party that you and miko attend mm-hmm. basically it was subame's christmas party yeah and that's where I, what i'm about to read myself so i'm now curious so it was just very interesting that they picked this part and you know, it works because it was like a tight enough arc where you can have this whole thing self-contained and it gives an excuse for fans to go watch it because it's canon material. This is not a filler movie. So we're going off of the whole demon slayer thing that it set a precedent for. 
basically, as I said, it it it's it becomes an advertisement for either continuing the series in the manga or waiting for the next set, uh, next set of the anime, next core of the anime. And you know, I gave it some thought afterwards, and while I would say that in certain segments and moments, in terms of the direction, in terms of like how the music was presented to us and how certain shots were filmed it did feel more movie like but i will say in most other segments it did feel like just more of the tv show mm. and you can have that debate of hmm was the quality of this a- animation as a whole you know good enough to justify this as a movie and worth my 15 to 16 dollars like you know depends i guess it depends on how much you're into the series yes like i think i think i'm more into it than you are at this point so that's Uh, you're because you're because you've read things chronologically and you've watched things chronologically i did not okay so the only reason why i happened to read like what chapters i don't know 140 to 180 or whatever it was is because i saw some buddy link something about kaguya to like a certain scene i saw the scene got very curious and then so i read one or two chapters about that and then i just kind of got addicted and just read like 40 to 50 chapters in one sitting I was like, maybe like now not realizing like how much time had passed. It's sort of, well, same, same me with, uh, with, uh, just the 10 volume, 10 chapters this, uh, this afternoon for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I actually have not been introduced to, uh, Miko or the impossible four. Yes. Or, oh, wait. Okay. Well, or like some of the other siblings of the other main characters as well actually okay so it was like obviously because i spoiled myself like i I read those chapters so then i learned who those were but uh so it was just interesting coming at it from that perspective and if i didn't happen to read those chapters i wouldn't have gone to see the movie so okay so it was a worthwhile but for through a different approach that's what i still thought it was worthwhile Okay. Just because like I don't mind the animation quality not being like A plus tier. Uh others might. Um and now I am remembering how uh in the ANN review of the movie, uh the fact that the animation, you know, wasn't up to movie standards was a sticking point for that reviewer. Although I thought I did think it was at least above average, from what my my memory of the anime of the uh, TV series, but okay. Anyway, so it's but I would say, in terms of like what they chose to cover, yes, this was a this was a great opportunity for them to uh, make this into a movie to milk some more money out of us, and. I think, yeah, it was, I thought it was well executed as a whole, because now 
you you get that deeper dive into Miyuki and Kaguya's personalities and why they are the people that they are and how they approach like their feelings towards one another, how they approach life, how they approach like dealing with the troubles that they're facing or how they don't deal with it. And and so the people who feel like that's a little jarring, I say it's fine. It's good to have a little depth in your romantic comedies every once in a while. <laughs> that's why I like uh that's why one of my favorite romantic comedies or one of my favorite comedies I should say is um shit. I should have remembered this one. What's that wedding one? Wedding one. Oh to- uh not wedding crashers. Oh, we're talking like a real like it's a- bri- I'm thinking bridesmaids. Okay. It's why I really like Bridesmaids. Not it's not a romantic comedy. It's it's more a comedy, but it's the fact that like the main character is a bridesmaid, or I think she's even the maid of honor for her friend, but it's like the worst time of it's the worst period of her life at that point. Mm. So you just see how this woman kind of falls apart for the first two thirds of the movie. Okay. And you're like, oh damn, like this is real. <laughs> like this is this is these are things that happen to people. As funny as it is, it's like, oh. Snap. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But overall you thought it was just worth going to. Yes. Okay. I would recommend watching it. Well, if you're already invested in in Kaguya Sama Love is War, yes, this is a must. You you need to watch it, or else you're going to have no context for when the next season comes out. Either that or they'll put the movie on Crunchyroll anyway. Yeah, and I really want to see the the Christmas party animated because I'm a, I'm slightly more invested in that at the moment because I always I always love when more secondary characters get that focus. I just love it when it happens because it just proves that yes, we're here too and we have our own shit that goes on and we have our own problems. We're not just side characters that are meant to flesh out the main cast or the main couple. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's why I said the, the there there isn't it doesn't feel like there's filler there. There's there's something engaging about everybody else too. Yeah, it's like it's like with Kimini Todoke when they when yes, oh spoilers for Kimini Todoke. Yes, Sawako and oh, I forgot the guy's name. I can't believe it. <laughs> when the main couple get together, yeah. And then they did start telling like Ayano's story and they started telling Chizuru and Ryu's story. Isn't isn't that getting yeah, a lot? Like this is that, what I'm. This is like I'm here for this. <laughs> well, that's about to get a live action adaptation again. Uh, I think so. I think uh, Netflix is about to debut it, or oh, maybe it's, it's the present one. And maybe it's the present one, but Netflix has it. Uh, that was also another very influential 
are very like iconic like shoujo manga at the time that sold insanely well in japan mm-hmm. uh, less so here actually yeah okay anyway um as, okay so as, uh, you, you finish your thought yes i'm sorry i have to uh, cut it off okay no worries i was done anyway thank you um Oh, as I said, we did. We there is some news that's just come down the pipe. So let's. Uh, I do feel like uh, we have to change gears for a couple minutes and end it off uh, on this note. Um, Kyoto News. Has, the story has broken out off out on various outlets. Kyoto News, I think, uh, had it first, and it's been elaborated on since. Crunchyroll is now reporting that legendary manga artist Leiji Matsumoto has passed away at the oh, age shit. of 85 of acute heart failure. So uh, this is just coming over the uh, wires over the last last hour or so. He was 85 years old, passed away at a Tokyo hospital once again due to acute heart failure. Um, we don't really need to say too much about... Matsumoto's accomplishments, they really do go without saying. But let's go through a couple titles. Space Battleship Yamato, Captain Harlock, Galaxy Express 999, Queen Esmeraldas. list goes on and on. Um, yeah, you know that others who are well-versed in the, in the Leiji-verse will be talking over the next couple days. I know we'll probably have... A few more thoughts next time the roundtable reconvenes. I guess people who you probably should uh, in our fandom and in this circle here that will probably be worth hearing from over the next couple days that we are aware of uh, might want to pay attention to the words of Matt Alt, um, Fred Schott, and Dave Merrill over the next couple days. And I'm sure they'll reveal their feelings as the news has come down. So uh, we'll end on that note. So once again, um, legendary creator Leiji Matsumoto has passed away at the age of 85. Wow. And uh, yeah, I know that that's news. To, obviously, that caught you by surprise. Yeah, it's uh, it's just come down the pipe. So um Let's. I, I do want to take some time to digest that before we talk about it. And I know, and I get the feeling the others will want to talk about that when we do when we reconvene. Maybe we should just leave it at that. Anyway, hope your Sunday is going well. Hope you everyone out there will enjoy the rest of the weekend, and we'll get back to you. Hopefully very soon. Thanks for listening.